tired. So tired. Overtired. Hello, everybody out there in Radio Land. <laughs> this is Overtired. I'm one of three of your hosts, Jeff Severns Gunsel, here also with Christina Warren. Say hello, Christina. Hello. <laughs> and and Brett Terpstra. Brett, say hello. Hello. I like, so how, I like how I like how you cued us instead of just saying, hey, how you guys doing? And then waiting for us to figure out who was going to speak first. That was really I, smart. It's like you've worked in radio. I'm uh, bringing in some, just bringing in some techniques to workshop for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm sort of distracted because I'm looking through this thing that we're going to be talking about. A little bit later, and I'm I'm seeing just some amazing imagery of, from the past. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, give no, us I'm, give I'm, us I'm a teaser. Well. All right, so if if you love 2000s nostalgia, because of course you do, and and you love like retro tech, you're gonna love what Jeff uncovered in his basement. Oh, <laughs> on a dumpster, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it was in my basement, though, when I uncovered it. I originally found it <laughs> on top of a trash receptacle. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> yes, we, we, will, we will get to that. Uh, should, we, should we talk about mental health? Is that a yes. topic for our podcast? I mean, we, we got to start with Mental Health Corner. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, uh, normalize, normalize Mental Health Corners. Just to tease, next week we have the amazing Alexandra Cox uh, joining us and they when I asked if they wanted to be on the show they said oh computers and mental health are my two favorite things to talk about so we should keep the mental health thing going at least until next week oh no it's good it's good I think so for so sure. who, who wants to talk about their mental health I'll go I can start okay all right go ahead <laughs> uh, I actually had a really good week um L was gone this week. My partner L um, was in Michigan, uh, and I had the house to myself. And while the boredom, like I rely on her for entertainment. Uh, like I watch, we watch a lot of TV together, basically, um, and she's always there for conversation. And without that, I my my brain. I don't like to be alone with my thoughts, I guess. Um, but I watched a ton of TV. I watched a bunch of movies. I had a good, I had a fun week. I enjoyed my bachelorhood. Um, not dealing with any depression. I don't think hard to tell when all you're doing is watching TV. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it could be a sign of depression yet. It feels so good. <laughs> it's, it's, I did have an, a strange craving for fried cheese. And I had to go huh. to the store and find uh, like breaded mozzarella, like fried mozzarella sticks, and and I yeah. ate all of them. And that is not good because I am sensitive to dairy, and it causes all kinds of gut problems for me. And I did this right at the beginning of my week of bachelorhood. Turned out okay. I I yeah. I, I digested all right this time. I, Okay, that's good. I was going to say the nice thing about it being at like your, your beginning of your week of bachelorhood is that like if you're just going to shit your brains out, like at least you like, you know, your girlfriend's not home, right? Yeah, so, like, but it's the know. opposite problem if I eat mozzarella sticks. And then there's a lot of gut pain involved. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's torture. Well, I'm glad uh, that didn't happen. Yeah, me too. 
you got a uh, Applebee's down there in the Driftless region. That's a very local reference. <laughs> I think everyone has Applebee's. We, no, however, no, Driftless, Driftless. Region. Oh, Driftless region. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if – well, okay, so this is the weird thing about Seattle. So if you go into the suburbs, and it depends on how deep into the the east side or wherever you want to go, there are – there is probably an Applebee's maybe. We don't have Chili's. Like you've got to go like a couple hundred miles. You've got to basically <laughs> leave the state to go to Chili's, which is weird. Um, and, and I think there's like one Applebee's. You've got to go like two hours away to find a freaking Red Lobster. Like – the chain restaurant situation in Seattle, I've like it's bizarre. It, it it's bizarre how bad it is. And um some people might be like, well, that's great, you know, like 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 <laughs> fuck fuck chain restaurants. And in general, yes, I agree. But it's also just even in New York City, even in New York City, like you could find and not just Times Square, you could find those things if you needed to to like do that. But uh but Cheesecake Factory is is like one of the the few that we we have but i have a yeah. cheesecake factory is a 45 minute drive for me um uh all the other chains you mentioned are a 30 minute drive for me with none of them locally like the only real chain restaurant in winona that i can think of offhand other than fast food is perkins do you guys you have Perkins? Of course. Oh, no idea what Perkins, Perkins is. That might be a got, that might be a Midwest. What about a Denny's? You got a Denny's? I don't have a Denny's. Uh, Just Tim a Perkins. Hortons. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is there a Tim Hortons in Minnesota? I thought that was a West Coast yeah, thing. Yeah, there's one here, but after Wait, no, I thought that Canadian was a Canada thing. thing. It is. It's a Canadian it's thing. It's a Canadian thing. But but you're close enough to the border. Yeah, we we're basically Canada. I get it. I mean, we I are too, but like we don't have Tim Hortons. Um, although, oh, this is actually a really interesting thing. Seattle, the state of Washington, period, does not have Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, Minnesota was like that. I don't but have like, a like, like the entire state, like, like does not have like it, it's like not like they they don't even attempt to be in in the market. Apparently, I guess like the Starbucks lobby is too strong. But it was a very odd thing moving from New York to Seattle, and like in New York, there's literally a Dunkin' Donuts like every three blocks, like even in the worst neighborhoods in yeah. the city, there, there's a, there's a freaking Dunkin' Donuts yeah. and, and it's, it's just sort of comforting. It's not the best at, or anything, but like you can get dry iced coffee, you can get, you know, donut, whatever. And like Seattle, there's no freaking Dunkin' Donuts. And that was just a very, very weird thing where I was like, I am not home anymore. We, yeah. we have a gas station called Quick Trip. Uh, yes. It, it is, it is with owned a by a, a Trump loving uh, millionaire, I guess. Um, and, and I try to avoid using it, but in my town of 30,000 people, there are at least 14 quick trips. There is one on every corner. Yeah. We don't, I don't, we don't have quick trip in Washington, but we have it in Georgia. So I am familiar with quick trip. I didn't, that's disappointing. I didn't know about the ownership, although to be honest, I'm not really surprised. Um, but cause I have to say, I've always kind of enjoyed, uh, quick trip at least in comparison to some of the other like they they were always at least in my experience like clean yeah relatively, that's like, that's what's like, frust- and they actually have decent like grocery items that's and what everything I'm saying. Like, like, at, like, at fair yeah. prices that that's what really bugs me about the politics like i feel like i feel a little bit dirty every time i spend money there but it's it's super convenient well-priced uh, they provide decent price groceries in lower income areas of Winona and 
It's, and, it's and, just, and frankly, and the people who work there, like most of them probably don't support that. And you know yeah. what I mean? Like the actual people working in, in those yeah. stores. And so yeah. like the only thing, I mean, I understand, like I've said many times, boycott for whatever reason you want to boycott, but at a certain <laughs> point, especially if it's, if it's in your area, if it's local to you, if it's bringing jobs and whatnot, if you don't have alternatives, sometimes doing that, like the people that you ultimately hurt are, you know, like the people that could benefit and like rely on those, those places to exist. Here's what gets me about quick trip is they were the, (laughs) they were the first gas station in town to just make a premium unleaded, like standard on every pump. You didn't have to find a special pump for it, but now they have three, three nozzles of, um, with ethanol, 15%, Mm -hmm. 10 to 15% ethanol. If you want the ethanol-free 91-octane gas, it's labeled as recreational vehicle use only or for, like, collector cars. And they make you feel, like, really scared about pumping it into your car. But my car does not handle ethanol. My Audi does not want ethanol. So I have to use this (laughs) recreational vehicle gasoline for four fifty a gallon right now, but anyway, that's enough. That was my mental health corner, Jeff. Why don't you tell us about your mental health? I can, but I want to just pick up on a couple of things. One is <laughs> when you said when you said, "Here's the thing about Quick Trip." I I automatically started imagining a promo for our show where like right. you have little clips of what people are saying, and it reminded me of uh, Minnesota Public Radio has a morning host, and uh, at some point, like. A few years ago, they started making her promo. You know, they'd say her name and then they'd say, asking the questions that need to be answered. And then they'd play a clip from like a recent thing. And invariably, it was just something like, what color is snow anyways? You know, I mean, it's just like, it was that it was never a question that I felt like really needed to be answered or that like nobody was asking. And so I heard uh, overtired asking the questions that need to be answered. And then I heard, here's the thing about Quick Trip. Speaking and that of, made me really happy. <laughs> speaking of NPR, here's the thing about NPR. Um, <laughs> did you hear about Lucia? Yes. What What is, what's the story with Lucia? Okay, for anyone listening who isn't a fan of The Current from NPR. Um, well, you got to do a lot more, you got to <laughs> do a lot more setup than that if you're going to go down this road. Well, can I just, can I do yeah. the big summary? Yeah, uh, Minnesota Public Radio, which which has three really key like properties, the news station, the classical station, and the music station, uh, just lost a really beloved host who's been with the station for 17 years. And she said a little bit on her way out, uh, and most importantly, she talked about the culture around women and queer folks at the, um, at the station as a whole and people of color. And I, I'm not the best person to get into that just because of personal relationships. But I will say that that the Minnesota public radio's record of losing really amazing women and people of color is astounding and disgusting and really, really, really upsetting given the way in which it presents itself, which is as this sort of folksy, Hey, we got you. Um, kind of service that can treat you with your classical music, with your, uh, <laughs> with your like, you know, whatever, your boring light rock music, um, and with your news. And I, 
And Mary Lucia is just yet another example of someone saying, and in her case, after 17 years, like, I can't take this culture. And I worked there for only two years um, at Minnesota Public Radio. And what I learned not just about Minnesota Public Radio, but about public radio in general, is that it is such a kind of consistently toxic culture, especially for women and people of color. And yet it gets to continually, um, it gets to sort of <laughs> it, uh, it gets to kind of bathe in its reputation of, of softness and, and intellectualism and, and, and all of these sort of cultural aspects that they've claimed um, that for so many people uh, who work inside of those stations, uh, it just doesn't exist for them. So yeah. Enough of this already. Wow, a scathing indictment of public radio. It's not hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I didn't know that it was that uh, sorted. What's What's a little more rare is a white man uh, making that. <laughs> <laughs> I just have had many people in my life who have left, um, and many people in my life who have been there, and I have many people in my life who are there. And it just, it's amazing how toxic um, the culture there has been for people, so... Wow. Sorry, everybody. Now overtired gets sued. <laughs> no, no, this is, this the just, ruthless. This is what you've heard. Yeah, the, the, the ruthless, I mean, the, the actually, I don't know, the, the public people might uh, <laughs> maybe look at, looking at what happened at, 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 at WNYC and some of that stuff, mm -hmm. I don't even know. But um, I, 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 I believe what you're saying. I never, I probably listened to some things on NPR if they've been syndicated, but I, I don't know. Um, I'm not familiar yeah. with 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 uh, um, Mary Lucia, but that is um, just a, and, and just to say about her, just a classic, awesome radio host. Just like personality, you feel like you're, you know, you feel like she's there with you in the room mm -hmm. with you, even if she's playing music you don't necessarily like, which is often the case for me. It doesn't matter. You feel like you're along for the ride, and so, smart, and just oh, amazing. We anyway, all right. Well, Minnesota listeners, how'd you like that Minnesota corner? <laughs> um, <laughs> my 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 mental health is I is tended to, uh, and I, I continue to really enjoy getting to know a new therapist, and um, and I'm generally feeling like I I have what I need, and uh, it's up to me to kind of handle some of the sort of behavioral stuff, you know, whether I'm meditating or whether I'm getting enough exercise or diet and all that stuff. Um, and, and sometimes I think of that as a burden, but actually I feel right now like, okay, so the toolbox is open. All the tools are in front of me. I just need to figure out which ones I want to grab for this job. Um, which is great. Cause I've been feeling a lot heavier in the past couple months that my friend Daniel said to me, uh, it said it's amazing how much how much work it takes just to be okay, and that was really uh, that sums up well my last probably like two months. Um, and right now I feel uh, I feel okay plus so, and uh, no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad. I mean, I like I'm really glad that you're at okay plus, right? Like I, I want you to be at like good. I want you to be at like a plus, but right. but it sounds like it's like trending in the right direction, which is which is good. I'm I, I'm glad that you're enjoying getting to know a new therapist. Cause I know that sometimes that can be like, that's a stressful and a difficult process in and of itself. Even if you enjoy the process, like having to go through that with a new person is, yeah. you know, it can be a lot. Yeah. Big time. What about you, Christina? How's your mental health? Um, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, I, my sleep habit was kind of weird. Like, so we're recording this on a Sunday. Uh, it was kind of weird last night and, um, 
I don't know. I've been up for a while. Um, but no, but things are, things are pretty good. I think I, um, uh, I will be going to Atlanta next week. I will be there for 10 days, which is a really long time to be wow. there. But well, here's the thing. So my nephew is turning one, his christening is happening at the same time I was going to go. And because I can work remotely, I was like, okay, well, I'll stay and, and, and see my, my family for a little bit. And my mom was like, well, it'd be just so great if you could just stay all the way through mother's day. Hmm. Well, my mom can't say that to me and then me be like, no, I'm going to go home. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so yeah. yeah. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to be there for like 10 days, which is a long time, but, um, it'll, uh, it's, I'm also looking forward to it. You, and that's, that's home with your, with your mom, with your, is it mom or parents? Mo- mom or? and mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. You texted our group at 4:59 AM on a Sunday. Uh-huh. I know. Cause I hadn't, I, I, I hadn't been, well, I haven't been to bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just didn't go to sleep last night. Well, I woke up. I like so okay, no. So okay, so I took an edible like Friday night and then I woke up late. And I was actually I had a dream that I had a text conversation with the two of you that I was going to be like, "Can we push this because I just don't know if I can like get up and do this." And then I I woke up and it turned out like that you guys wanted to push and I was like, "Oh, thank God." And so I went back <laughs> to sleep for a couple hours. Be- and and then I woke up um kind of late and then I might have taken a nap again. I don't even know. I was still kind of like like the edible was still kind of persisting because I took it like super late like Friday night. And um so so yesterday most of the day I was just kind of still a little bit just kind of like zen. And then I I just um just didn't go to sleep. Mm, oof. No, but I mean I but I feel great. Like honestly. I feel are you great. gonna are you gonna feel great tomorrow when you go to work? Yeah, because I'm gonna be able to actually go to bed tonight. No. Okay. Uh, See what uh, I'm saying? Yeah. See, but it always hits me if I miss a night of sleep, I'm fine the next day. It's after I get one more night of sleep. That's when it hits me. That's when I like just feel hit a wall hard. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't have that problem, fortunately. Cool. So. Lucky you. Man. Speak- what do you do when you're up and you don't sleep? Is it, are you just, are you in bed and not sleeping or are you just like doing things? No, I'm like in bed and I'm like reading and I'm like listening to music or I'm watching TV or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Got it. Got it. It would be more helpful if I were actually doing things. If I were actually doing things, I'd probably get more tired, but but no, I, I'm not. I'm not quite my mother or my grandmother yet, which is um, both of them. And and it's so funny because my mom is now starting to inherit this. But but my grandmother, especially, like she was definitely a night owl and would stay up very late and would like fuss around and and do things throughout the house, you know, until very late at night. Mm, um, yeah. And uh, I haven't quite reached that stage where you know, like, no. A lot of times, I'm just kind of like laying there. Man, that gets me thinking like my grandparents at least on one side were like that too and i realized i wonder how they talked to each other and their friends about sleep it's such a constant for us but it's also often intertwined with mental health and medication as a conversation right. which they wouldn't have been adding that those two seasons to the dish um so i wonder if it was just yeah no i just i just do my thing i pace a little bit <laughs> until i go to bed uh huh. Just to, th- this ties in very closely with what we're talking about. So I'm going to mention, have you guys seen Taylor Tomlinson's new Netflix special? Uh, no, look no, at but you. I've had it on my list to watch. 
It is. I've, I've had it on my list to watch. Like, I've enjoyed yet. her in the past. She's she's mm-hmm. funny. She's she's a she's a great comedian. Um, this this special covers her bipolar diagnosis. It covers uh, uh, stigmas around medication. It covers uh, dead moms. Like it, it it hit all kinds. My mom's not dead, but my my girlfriend's mom died when she was pretty young, and she is very good about having a sense of humor about having a dead mom that makes other people uncomfortable because you're talking about a, a dead mom. Um, right. And, and so that's always been kind of a, a joke between us is how she makes dead mom jokes. Uh, and then Taylor Tomlinson did her a whole like bit about how uncomfortable her dead mom jokes make people. And it was like, I watched it once told, told Elle about it. And we, we do little watch parties where we both just hit play at the same time and then text (laughs) while, while things are happening. And we do it with her sister and we did it with a couple of Spider-Mans this week. But while she was waiting for her sister to clean the house or whatever, uh, we watched this special. We, text watched this special and uh she she found it hilarious too it was really good when you say you watched it with a couple of spider-mans are you saying two individuals from the multiverse who also hit play in uh along with you or are you saying you watched two spider-man movies oh yeah it God, was what a, it what was drawn out toby, toby, toby mcguire and the cartoon spider-man were all in on oh, the text yeah. chain we watched. Uh, we watched. Yeah, good. I, I, I had the pig. I would have had the pig. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we watched the the most recent Spider Man this weekend. For finally, is that No Way Home? Mm-hmm. Is there another one since then? Nope. No yeah, Way Home was just a lot for me. It was just it here. a lot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, huge I, hit movie, gigantic, yeah. gigantic yeah. screaming hit. Yeah, yeah. Jake had the screaming hit and scene. Um, okay, what now? So, um, should we go ahead and just go into our, our first sponsor break before we talk oh, about that's um, a really good call? Yeah, um, Christina, yeah, I will. This take is this, one. this is your go to sponsor. This is my go to sponsor. So, if you hear my voice, you know who I'm going to be talking about, and mm-hmm. that, of course, is. ZocDoc. There are some amazing doctors out there, uh, but really the only ones that matter are the ones who actually take your insurance. And so with ZocDoc, you can focus on doctors who are in network, putting you on the path to see doctors who are right for you. No more wasting time hunting down Aunt Shirley's cash-only chiropractor or that dentist that your coworker recommended who's out of your network is frustrating when you find that out. So ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them. So you can read up on local doctors, you can get verified patient reviews, and you can see what other real humans have to say about their visit. And so when you walk into the doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you're booked. Find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I am one of them. It is my go-to whenever I need to find a doctor. I just recently got new health insurance, and I'm very grateful to ZocDoc because I just had to update that in the app, and now it's going to help me find doctors or make sure that maybe my existing doctors still take my new health insurance, which is great. 
In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. With ZocDoc, you can get your docs in a row. We like that pun. All right. Mm. Go to ZocDoc.com slash overtired and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash overtired. That's ZocDoc.com slash overtired. Thanks, Christina. No problem. I'm going to do, I'm going to, we're going to just pair these up again so we don't have to come up with multiple segues. Um, So who doesn't love to live well, to be perfectly at ease in comfort and style? Hunter Douglas can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. Perhaps it's the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. Or maybe it's the superior insulation the shades provide, helping you keep warmer in winter, cooler in summer, and lowering utility bills. Or, and just just go with me here, is it simply that Goldilocks moment when you walk into a room and everything about it just looks and feels right? When you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. I have something with the riff. Yeah, okay. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> hi, hi, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I was at my dentist's office the other day, and I was in the waiting room. And I was just sitting there looking at a blank TV and kind of mourning the fact that the looped footage of a chimpanzee getting its teeth brushed was no longer playing in my (laughs) dentist's office. I asked at the front desk. They don't even have it available anymore. They had done a huge remodel. But what they did have was a whole room full of floor-to-ceiling windows with Hunter Douglas window coverings. Just giant, pulled-down shades. They look great. Look great. It was no chimpanzee getting its teeth brushed. No offense, Hunter Douglas. There's nothing you can do to change that. But you are wonderful at what you do. Go ahead, Brett. (laughs) So, live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day or in your waiting room. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash Overtired today for your free Style Get Smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash Overtired for your free design guide. All right. All right. I like this. I like this idea of a challenge where I just start typing into your ad reads while we're going. (laughs) (laughs) I know which sponsors not to do it with, but... (laughs) Yeah, you do. <laughs> we we have some some very picky sponsors. You get a word wrong, and they make you do a a, a make good. Mm-hmm. We won't we won't name names. Not yet, anyway. We it's sure not, gave Minnesota Public Radio a lot of free time today. I was gonna say <laughs> Minnesota Public Radio. Uh, we we don't get our gift bags anymore. No. Um, so so Jeff, you shared something with us last week that you found in a dumpster, and then it made its way to your basement. And then we found the internet, well, I found the internet archive version and shared it with everyone. So everyone online can actually enjoy this too, because you have the physical version. We do not. Tell us what you found. And can we kind of talk about this like blast through the past? Because it's kind of amazing. 
Yeah, I was thinking we could do almost like the podcast version of an establishing shot for this moment in time. But I, so I found this about 10, 12 years ago while I was working in public radio. Uh, I found it in San Francisco on the way to the SoundCloud offices, which one day just that will sound very old, Mm -hmm. um, but probably not just yet. Uh, And um, on top of a trash can was this copy of Yahoo Internet Life that was at yil.com maybe still is uh december 1999 and it is the what's next for the web edition 2000 and beyond and the very first person that they're telling you you're going to hear from is alan dershowitz on law um and right next to alan dershowitz is philip glass that's pretty awesome he kind of he more than cancels out alan dershowitz i saw him Uh, live once did you? Oh, I did. such a fan. That's so, so cool. So this is just like uh, an awesome little blast th- from the past. And, you know, we all have had a chance to kind of look through it a little bit. I'll rattle. Here's my actual copy. Nice. I have a friend, have a friend who does news reading on National Public Radio, and I'm always telling her, like, come on, man, more paper shuffling. Oh, no. And this is so um, cool because because uh, uh, listeners, what, what you can't see is that, that Jeff actually marked the pages that he wants to talk about, which <laughs> is right. just such a pro move. Sure did. Super pro move. Um, but I want to I start. I know that both of you noticed the ads. We, you, all, you both brought that up, and for me, Fantastic. too. Fantastic. And for me, what the ads – suggested i mean they they showed me the moment in time in 1999 more than anything else but i'm just want to actually want a little check i want both of you to describe your either work or school life whatever it was uh and your relationship to computers in december 1999 christina um i was in high school and i loved the internet and computers and was completely like if I'd been 10 years older, I would have been about to lose all my money working at a startup um, at a dot-com. Like that, that, that's, that's where I was. So I was basically like kind of the perfect audience for this because um, even though I probably didn't make the money that their advertisers would have wanted because everything that they were selling is aspirational, I was actually like the person who was super excited about it, even though in a few short months that would maybe change a little. Mm. And like, okay, so what about your technology? What was the dominant technology in your life? Oh, God. I mean, I had, um, okay, gosh, I did have a cell phone. Um, I had like a Nokia, uh, like, like the 5000 series. And I had a desktop computer, like a, that it was like a 450 megahertz or something, had 120 megabytes of RAM, which was, you know, big time. I don't know if I had a Palm Pilot yet. I mm. might not have had that until like mid the next year. Um, I did, I think at that point I had a mini disc player that I used for MP3s because the, the, um, you know, iPod Ooh. wasn't out yet. Yeah. Um, but, but I would actually like connect my sound card to my mini disc player and run a Winamp playlist and, and had a cheap way of having an MP3 player. It was actually pretty slick. Um, and I had, um, I did not have, because of where I lived and, and because like it was based on on like where you lived and not whether you were willing to pay for it or not. I did not have cable internet. So I had like a dedicated internet line in my room, but I didn't have cable. So I had like kind of slow dial up. And uh but yeah, and I would and, and I had like video game consoles. But I would say like my my desktop computer was was my primary thing, although I did have a phone. Okay, wait, we're not done. What what video game consoles? Um I had a Nintendo 64 and I had a PlayStation. And um Oh, and at that time I had a Dreamcast as well. Nice. 
Nice. So what 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 game would you have been putting the most hours on at that point? Okay, so we're talking like December 1999. <sighs> I mean, hmm. It might have been Final Fantasy VII. Mm. Uh, or not Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII. It might have been, because the Dreamcast had just come out, so I might have been playing a lot of that. I don't know if Shenmue was out yet or not. Oh. Um, and, and it, it, it might have been, but around this time, I would say it would be like, like Shenmue or uh, there was like a Resident Evil Code Veronica. Um, but those types of games, right? Like like either kind of immersive, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, like photorealistic type of things or really interesting kind of like, scare horror RPG things. Those were the types of games I was playing. Oh, also, yeah, honestly, the one, if, if I'm going to be completely honest, that I was probably playing the most in that era was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Oh, yeah. Okay, last question about the times. What what concert would I have most likely bumped into you at? Oh, God. Um, probably like Collective Soul or... Um, yeah. Like, like, yeah, I mean, it would have been it would have been one of those or like like I'm trying to think like Lilith Fair, like Collective Soul, like there is I, I would see either like big rock bands, um, mostly at like festivals more than like going to one offs. Yeah, um, yeah. But so, but you you would have seen me at like like music Midtown, um, and in Atlanta, it would have been like whatever like was on alt rock radio in yeah. 1999. That's what you would have seen me at. Oh, that's fun. Uh, all right. All right, Brett. Time capsule. Get get in it. Christina, you got to step out of the time capsule. Brett, you got to get in. I'm yep. sorry. I Brett, Brett you one. step in. All right. I'm fastening uh, in. Um, all right. I would have had a whatever computer like PC I had built uh, probably three years prior. My primary interest at the time was um, an app called Heroin. And uh, so I wasn't buying a lot of new computer equipment. I was, however, uh, about to graduate from the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, which was my first introduction to Mac computers. Um, and I had, you know, I, I had to use them for school. I was still at that point a PC guy. Mm -hmm. I was working for uh, what would actually become a very successful uh, web design company. Um, and now I can't remember their name, but I looked them up like 10 years later and they were huge. But at the time it was six people in a warehouse in Minneapolis or in the warehouse district in a nice like studio space. And, uh, and I wrote there the MP3 player that they, they did like the website for like the fine line. Ah! And club club in Minneapolis, yeah. everybody. And very clean. Very and clean. the MP3 player they used to to uh, play music on their website, I I designed and developed and um, wrote it. So you had to have. Do you remember Director? Yes. You had to have yes. Director, Director MX. In, you had to have the plugin in order to use the MP3 player that I built. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of my time capsule right there. Uh, okay, well, we'll have to see if is the fine line site in Internet Archive. Do you think in the Wayback Machine? <laughs> I don't know. Um, hold on. I don't, what was the? Was it just fine line? I don't remember, com? dude. Fine that was like twenty two years ago. And heroin. I never used that app, but I heard it was buggy as hell. It it had it had its ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard that like it could completely take out your whole system. If, it was uh, exactly. It, it was super overpriced, especially in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. So next question for you, Brett. All right. So you that was awesome. So you we got we got Christina rocking the MP3s burned on the disc on the disc menu. We got Brett. Oh, we those. had mini disc on the mini disc. We on had mini the, disc. Mini disc. Oh, that was a really important detail. I'm sorry. At this That's job, important. we had that Creative Labs MP3 player that could yeah, hold like hold like yeah the nomad oh. and we would like pass it around and take turns yeah like, djing for the office with i think it held like maybe a hundred songs or something yeah no it well it was it was cool because it had like a little hard drive or whatever yeah. it was better than like they had like the rios and the ones that took like the little flash cards but you could only get like an hour of music maybe on that yeah. which is and i was too poor because i was like 15 16 so uh, she says even though i as i recounted this i was also a very spoiled teenager who had a cell phone and three video game consoles and a computer and her own phone line and a VCR and a other stuff in her bedroom. Uh-huh. Ridiculous. Thank you, mom and dad. But I, but even, even they drew the line at like $500 MP3 players, which is why I had like my, my ghetto version of, of doing sure. the mini disc hack. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So Brett, like you, you had, you had experience with Max cause you were at an art school. Um, did you have any key gear yourself for re- And I'm not, I don't mean to be flip here, but if you're in attic land, uh, do you, are you moving around couch to couch or you do go home and you have some tech at home? I, I had an apartment, a $300 a month apartment. Uh, and I had my, my PC there that smelled like cigarette smoke. Like, I swear, I smoked in that apartment so much that when the fans kicked up, it would, like, blow smoke out of the computer. Oh, um, my God. It was, yeah, it was bad. And I had a I had a candy bar cell phone. Don't remember. It was a prepaid cell phone that I mostly used for calling dealers. Um, but every once in a while, my parents could reach me on it, and I would ask nice. them for money. Um, did you have a pager? I did not have a pager. Okay. The dealers pager, had pagers. Then? Okay, because I had a pager too. Um, oh yeah. Did, did did you have a pager, um, Jeff? I did not. Who had your pager number? All my friends. <laughs> all your friends. All my. Did friends. you ever get nine one one pages? Oh yeah, all the time. But, and but was also- it drug related or just relationship related? Or <laughs> oh, absolutely what? not drug related. No, I was okay. way too. It was no. Come on, yeah. I was no. I nah. Um, I, I was way too much of like a like rich white girl. Um, at that point, like to be into that. Although, I, although I had friends, I had some friends who had already gone through rehab, who were yeah. so they were sometimes their nine one one stuff would be like, I need somebody sober. I need yes. like a sober buddy to keep me sober. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, it was, was nine one one stuff mostly about like boyfriend girlfriend drama. But I, I interrupted. I interrupted Brett. Sorry. I was just want to say I like that. That makes it set for someone who knows nothing about pages. That makes it sound like back in the day we were nine one one. Brett, go ahead. What What was the question? Well, just asking about your home tech, which I, you were oh. talking about. You had a special smoke machine, and um, <laughs> I had a I had a Roland keyboard. And like I was playing in a band at the time, so I had my amps and my my bass and yeah, but really cell phone and a PC. That was pretty much the extent of my anything you could consider high tech. And and like I said, the PC, like I I was still using the PC that I moved to Minneapolis with, and that would have been like five years prior. Uh and and I would have built that on a high schooler's income. So it mm. was nothing fancy. I remember I did have like a a 1024 color monitor on it. Ooh. Nice. 1024 colors. 
That's amazing. I mean, no, because that, that was like definitely like higher, like higher, higher than some of them did, you know? Yeah, because 256 was still a thing. You could still yeah, get yeah for sure. You could still get sure. eight hundred by six hundred, two hundred and fifty six color monitors. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, oh, like yeah, Christina man. said, one hundred and twenty eight megabytes of RAM. Like I could only dream of that. I maybe had thirty two so megabytes in that thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I was so spoiled. Like that, that computer was so good. Um, <laughs> There's well, actually and- an ad for a Dell in Yahoo Internet Life. That talks about 128 uh, megabytes of SD RAM for $2,400. No, the I'm whole, looking at this right now machine. for Pentium 3. Yeah. It's $2,400. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's awesome. And Brett, I think I know the answer to this. What shows would I have caught you at with your smoking um, desktop? <laughs> probably. We probably would have run into each other at like Dillinger 4 shows. Yes, the Saltines, maybe. Saw. Awesome. The saltines, nice. Minneapolis punk. Yes. Yes. I I I'm just gonna be gross and then I, I can answer some questions, but um I never saw Dillinger 4 until two weeks ago. Um <laughs> despite despite getting to know With some of Danny them. Glamour. Uh yeah, that's right, Danny Glamour. That's your second shout out, friend of the show. <laughs> this is a friend of mine, Christina, who listens huh. to our show. And hi, who Danny remind- <laughs> Yeah, hi Danny. Hi Danny. Um but uh, when I, I my band played with Dillinger for in a, at a house show in Columbus, Ohio, in 1996, and I was excited to see them. But in the first song, um, the bass player pulled down his pants and put the butt end of a screwdriver in the. I was him. at that show. Shut your. <sighs> I was at that in show in Columbus, Ohio. In Columbus, Ohio. Oh no, he must have no, done this. So yeah, no, this is a no. He must have done this at a house party in Minneapolis. No pun, in, no pun intended. But this is a tool in his toolbox. But so, but and in all seriousness, like it smelled so bad. Oh my when god, he did that's that, the most revolting that thing. I just went to the van and went to sleep, and so I never saw Dylan Jafar as a result. Um, this is a man who is who who nowadays is is a is a as a person, it's much easier to imagine just really loving up. Um, but he has a tattoo on his chest that just says it's full chest says, how much art can you take? Oh my God. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the smell now. And like, no, this uh, is, <laughs> It, there just, is a thing. There's a thing that touring musicians call road ass. And, yes, and I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of. I mean, okay, so I got taken. I actually in probably 1999. I had some some guys who were very nice guys who I met at school took me to a Guar concert. Whoa! <laughs> I awesome. did not know what I was getting into. I like, and you have to understand, like I'm very preppy. Like I liked a lot of different type of music, but like I was like, were a you very were you in the splash zone? Um, I mean, I think we all kind of were. I mean, at least like, I think like. Oh, was it a small was, venue where I mean, literally yeah. everyone got sprayed with fake blood? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 as I said, I did not know what to go in expecting, except that I, I did not expect that. And and I was like, okay, well, that was interesting. So, but, but at least I'd it wasn't. But, but but at least it wasn't like road ass, right? Like at least it yeah. wasn't like yeah. honestly as 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 it didn't smell it was fake and and it, it wasn't somebody shoving a um screwdriver up his ass and then yeah yeah have you ever heard of a band called bile out of new york city uh, no no oh, man that was that was like if guar were actually scary that that would have been that show 
I want to say that I just realized this. That was one of two times I saw somebody do that with a screwdriver at a show. Um, <laughs> the next time was I was I was I was writing. I was a I was writing for Punk Planet magazine. I was living in New York, and I went to this this kind of legendary um, performance space called ABC No Rio, mm-hmm. and um, it was a it was a show. It was a band of trans folk, and one of them did that move and i remember just thinking what is it what the fuck like i i loved being an eccentric drummer in a punk rock band but man i drew the line without realizing i drew the 100%. line it's like <laughs> wendy o williams with the ping pong balls yeah i loved wendy o yeah williams. yeah yeah i mean I, I i'm just gonna be honest like again like people do what you want but like that's just yeah that that, yeah. that would not no. be uh-uh yeah it's something special. Love you, Patty. Um, but okay, so so here's I'll do my version quickly, which is that I was working for an organization that was making intentionally illegal trips to Iraq as an act of protest against the economic sanctions against Iraq. We would bring nice. We would I was bring, a model UN writing position papers against those sanctions. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, I, I see you. I see you over there. Um, we would go uh, as an act of civil disobedience and and publicly go to Iraq with uh, uh, different medicines that were banned and other things like that, and then come home to be called Saddam Hussein's stooges, which is like, I'm not going to get into it now, but the most ridiculous thing to say. Um, (laughs) So anyway, I worked in this office. We were like this rogue or activist organization out of the home of this woman, Kathy Kelly, who was like my mentor and who took me in straight out of punk rock. And we had a room full of, you know, just, you know, Pentium one PCs. Um, and I, it was my first time working in a computer, um, every day and, and doing email all the time. I felt so like important and grown up doing emails all the time, you know? Um, and I had a mini disc player for sure. Um, I wanted to say I had a flip camera, but it doesn't look like those came out until much later. I'd have memories of one of those little pocket flip cameras that I would use all the time. It must not have been then. No, those were those were later. But you might have had like a like a small digital camera or something. But the the, the memory capacities weren't weren't we're there not yet for, there, for right. those to do them. Okay, yeah. okay. Now my personal computer that I had just sold. I just it's just the only time I'll get to tell this story. The computer I had just sold when I moved to Chicago to Chicago from Minneapolis was a PC I put together with the help of my mom's boyfriend who was uh, like an IT guy and whenever a part would be sort of decommissioned or a computer would be decommissioned he'd pull a part uh, out of it that would be a puzzle piece that would eventually be my personal PC and so I eventually had a PC made of stolen parts it was like totally like the Johnny Cash song one piece at a time where the guy works in an auto uh, (laughs) factory and he builds a car after having taken one piece out at a time Um, and so I had this beautiful computer and the kind of dark side of this is that my mom really wanted to break up with this guy and I told (laughs) her not until the computer's done (laughs) and uh and it got done hilarious so anyway that was my my tech okay so let's do this magazine sorry that was a big setup but i just wanted to like land in the space no i like that no i i really like like hearing like where we all were at that time and and (laughs) and that was that's like a very like fun nostalgic time for for me like basically that through like the next like like four or five years but yeah yeah for Um, sure is is anybody in a position to look up the number of um, publicly accessible pages on the web today? Why are we see that? I don't even know. Here's here's the first thing that I wanted to point out out of this magazine is there's a little uh, 
text box that says total number of websites, both public and private, was 3.6 million, okay. which seems okay. Very okay. Small. As of March 21st, 2022, there are currently over 1.93 billion Jesus. websites online. Right. So, so in this period of time, that's the other thing to establish, right? Is like there are 3.6 million, which uh, it, compared to billions makes it seem like you could actually visit all of those. Right. You know? well, which is why back then, I mean, look, to be clear, the magazine folded for a, a number of reasons. Um, uh, there, there were, there's a great book called, um, um, like, uh, uh, killing yourself deliver whatever it's about the the, the life and standard of, of like the um um industry standard but uh. um uh so there's like this was like peak like big magazine page things like this this particular issue was 284 pages most of them ads which oh means that that they were selling tons of ads um and um but like you the concept of having like a yahoo internet life magazine wasn't dumb where the whole idea was like it'd be kind of curate places for you kind of like yahoo did you know where it'd be like oh yeah we'll, we'll have a magazine to tell you about yeah. the uh, ab- about this stuff um starting the, magazine, to defin- the magazine will be your roadmap to the internet it, the, the book that i was thinking of which is about the industry standard which was a a, a huge like kind of technology um and in, in kind of venture capital kind of like it was similar to wired in some ways um uh, the book that I was trying to think of is by James Ledbetter. It's fantastic. It's called Starving to Death on 200 Million, The Life and Death of the Industry Standard, because the 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 magazine like basically flamed out. Like in, in 2000, it sold more ad pages than any magazine in America and launched a European edition. But then it, it went into bankruptcy by August 2001. Wow. And um, uh, it, but yeah, anyway, um, so the 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 magazine is a microcosm of that whole thing, but you're right because 3.6 million does feel like you could visit the whole thing, and it makes the whole concept of like because in because now you're like why in the hell would you have a magazine to try to capture the internet? That's so dumb. It's like well you know when there's only 3.6 million websites, like cura- yeah. a little bit of curation kind of makes sense. Crazy. It's not yeah. crazy. Well, yeah, 1999. Like this is still bo- bo- bubble era. Yes. Yes. And and company like i was working at one of the very first web design firms um and it was it was it was an exciting time for this wild west of a web oh my god you guys i just noticed on page 276 there's a web user column search alert and it is written by danny sullivan ah which is amazing mr seo Yes. Yes. Mr. <laughs> SEO, Danny Sullivan, who went on to, he now works at Google, but, but for many, many years he had like, he ran kind of like a, an SEO and kind of search kind of like, you know, blog thing about how the algorithms and things worked. And the fact is, is he had a search alert column in 1999 in, um, he, yeah, because he ran search engine watch back then. And, and he had a column in this issue of, of, of Yahoo uh, internet life. That's just, that's amazing. That is amazing. Wow. This magazine yeah, there is were, I, more ads than content. There oh, were yeah. pr- there were precious few uh, names bylines in this magazine that I personally recognized as Jim Lauterbach. Uh, Holy shit! Who's that? Who's Jim Lauterbach? Sorry, Jim Lauterbach. Okay, okay, no, Jim Lauterbach's a big deal. So he was at CNET. He he did a lot of stuff for editorial for them. He was a big at Wired. He now I believe is the CEO of VidCon. Mm. Um, he worked. Uh, he's worked on a lot of of internet um uh, things um over the years. Um, like uh, no, I think I think now I think what is this thing? He's like a yeah. He's the CEO of, of VidCon. He used to run Revision Three, if you remember that. 
Um, uh, oh no, he, he's not at VidCon anymore. Um, but he's some sort of advisor to, uh, 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 Viacom, I guess. Um, anyway, I, I, I met him at, at a conference many, many years ago, but he, he was on tech TV. If you remember that back in the day, uh-huh. um, and uh, he was like, I think he was the editor in chief of PC Magazine. Yeah, this is according to Wikipedia. Anyway, he's been in. He was in this stuff for a long time, but he went on to be kind of a bigger executive. And so that's, I, I know, I just noticed his byline too, and that's really interesting. Well, and he's writing about the Neopoint smartphones, and the, the yes. opening opening graph is fun. Surf the web was, from your cell phone. Yes, that's the Amazon, idea, right? I mean, Amazon was around, but Amazon was not profitable, and they at that point. It was not clear that Amazon was going to become the e-commerce thing. They, they had a were still a bookstore. They did sell some other things at that point, like the, like CDs and stuff. But it Ooh, was but look, hey, it was media. But that is the year that, and this month that this magazine came out is the month that Jeff Bezos was named Time Person of the Year. Oh, oh. yeah, with that famous uh, cover where he's inside the box. Uh, with all the packing peanuts. <laughs> okay. Okay. Put him back in. Put him back in. I'm looking. Ooh, I'm looking through box. the web guide section of of this magazine where they tell you like all of the places you can shop online, uh, yes. from Delia's.com yep. to cir- CircuitCity.com. Oh my god! And both dead. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but I don't see. There's no like. Check out this new Amazon.com website. Yeah, Amazon was around because I, I had I got my ordered my first thing from them. I think in either I think in ninety seven um, is when my first order from them was from. Okay. Um, but but they were it was like not as big of a thing like like toys dot com like I think they wound up buying it. But but this was before that. Like you'd still this was still like the pets dot com era. You know, like there was like yeah, yeah. eight hundred dot com. Like there were all these things that were there were many ways trying to get into all these other areas whereas amazon early on anyway like i think they bought cd now but they by that point but they were um really focusing on on like media you know so it was like books and cds they they didn't really start to expand which in retrospect was really smart because i think that if they had expanded the way some of those other things did but they were just like we'll sell everything i think they would have been out of business i think that they would have run out of money like yeah man yeah uh, there's a here's a subhead uh, of a feature piece here. It says the net, and let's just say it's called the net. Remember that? I mean, I yes, whew, the net capital N lets everyone behave like an authority. But will it help separate the best from the bluster? Answer, everybody. You want to answer from the future? No. <laughs> um, okay, I I have something. So this is another sort of like establishing bit, which is their click charts, which isn't about the future of the web, but it really tells you a little bit about back then. Right. Like right. this is, this one's for you, Christina. This is a, this, this is a rankings from ask.com. Okay. Oh my God. Number one question, where can I buy Sega Dreamcast and Sega Dreamcast accessories <laughs> online? Number two, where can I buy Y2K survival products online? <laughs> Number three, where can I buy Dragon Ball Z toys online? online. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Oh, and here's a good one. Number five is where can I find free stuff online? <laughs> <laughs> That's super fun. Do you think that um, eBay's top auction items are still cars? Because they have this top five list of, uh, of, of eBay auction items by price. And the first one's a Ferrari. Huh. The next one's uh, some collector Honda. 
Then you got a land cruiser cruiser. Anyway, that's not that interesting. Um, okay. I have one that I really loved in here. There's a, they have a feature where they ask um, science fiction writers to sort of discuss the 20th century and make predictions. Nice. Um, and there are just a couple of quotes I wanted to share, but my book flag just fell out. So just hold on. Okay. Just, okay. You just, you just hold right on. Um, but I, all in all, uh, it's amazing how it, it's almost painful. It, it's both joyful to look back on all this stuff. Cause it seems like such a cute time, even though we know it wasn't. Um, and yet it just feels like I've never felt older or more from the future than right. when I'm reading this thing, because it's just close enough that nothing's totally absurd. Nothing exactly proposing is totally absurd, but it's like far enough that you're also like, Oh yeah, that didn't turn out that well. I had to cut that piece. Um, no, but what, what, what's so funny is um, like, again, like looking at the ads and like the clothing and stuff, it's all coming back in style and it just being slightly true. tweaked it's so interesting. That's so like true. this is such a vibe. Like I, this is the sort of thing. So I, a friend of mine, like I, I mentor a chick who's like, um, she, she's in her early twenties and I'm going to show her this and be like, please read. Cause she, she's a technology journalist. I mean, like, please read what our profession was, you know, well, it's not mine anymore, obviously, but, but like what, what we did, like, cause I, I didn't ever get to do this. I never got to write for these magazines. Mm. Um, but this is like before the the internet, you know, kind of took over everything where, I mean, let's just kind of think about that in, in general. This is a magazine about the internet. It's not websites. Of right. cover, you know what I mean? Like, like it's still, e- even though we just, I got, I just got finished saying, well, it made sense to have a magazine about this. There is still something sort of absurd about the fact that like the, that at that point, the best way to present information about the internet was not to just build a webpage. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well said. How are we going to gather all of this information under one roof? Magazine. (laughs) That's amazing. Fire up the presses. We'll make this work. It's kind of all that needs to be said. Um, in this in this science fiction writer's piece, there's just actually two quotes I wanted to read, and they both came from Connie Willis, and I think they're both really profound. Um, she's someone who kind of just, of all of these writers that they have in here, so they have uh, Bruce Sterling and um, Nancy Kress and Gwyneth Jones and Kim Stanley Robinson and Dan Simmons, Simons. Uh, none of these people I am I have read. Um, same with Connie Willis, but they ask, you know, it, it's one question, and then everyone else kind of answers the one question, then it's the next question. You know the format, right? Um, so in talking about, let's see, what is the question she's answering? Um, she's answering a question. Okay. Here's the question from why life um, does, does the information age and the internet mean the death of personal privacy who will kill it government corporations, media, or people. It was a heavy question to think back on given all that's happened. Right. But she nails it. She says the single most dramatic impact of the information age. Remember that that's like saying the net yes. um, will be on groups whose survival depends on controlling and limiting the flow of information. We're already seeing its effects on dictatorships. Check this, the faxes being sent from Tiananmen square. <laughs> Email diaries from Kosovo, uh, people who wanted to keep secrets from Clinton to Big Tobacco to Pamela Anderson Lee have already found it almost impossible to do so. And the information age is just getting started. 
That was good. That, that one wow. has a lot of echoes into the future. Yeah. <laughs> she had another line, which I thought was really powerful, which was like the dilemma of the information age. Again, the information age is not the death of personal privacy, but the wild imbalances in privacy. And oh, she that was is just so profound. Like that, I, that is so perfectly encapsulates the next 25 years. Yes. Yeah. It's just that amazing. Was, that was out of all of the things I've seen in this magazine that have just made me chuckle that actually that's almost spooky. Yeah, it is spooky. If you want to chuckle, you can go to page 191 and see how the teen of 2010 will be dressed. And let me tell you, everybody, oh. he's going to be, and it's a he in this case. It will be a kind of hard, hard to tell. They are going to be wearing conductive pants, better known as hot pants. They're going to be wearing sonic boots, which are basically boom boxes. Wait, what year is this uh, predicting? <laughs> this is 2010. 2010. 2010. They're yeah, going to have, the wrist- <laughs> have a wrist phone. Oh, 10 years. Not quite. Not quite. Not quite. Five, 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 years, uh, five years too early on that. <laughs> Oh, and they're going to have a server pack. Let's see. No matter where they are, teens uh, are the center of a wireless local area network, thanks to their portable server pack. Naturally, these packs are also uh, designed to carry such gear as e-tablets, PDAs, and styli. I mean, okay, so e-tablet... Is almost there, right? Because if you can say phone, yep. I mean, yeah. like that, that's that. I can kind of give them that. Yep. Uh, the rest of this is ridiculous. Well, surf, conductive pants, like I thing? still dream of it. Well, Look be, at those shoes, man! Those Sonic boots. The idea of like e-scooters and and hoverboards. Oh yeah, it's like, a GPS beacon. Yeah, okay, it's okay, a GPS okay, that's beacon. fair. That's fair. Rideables definitely became a thing. Uh, granted, later than 2010. Um, it's interesting because a lot of this. This the style stuff aside, probably some they for some of the more outlandish things, both the the watch and the 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 board, like some of these things are definitely were like if you'd said okay twenty twenty fifteen teen, um, that's kind of interesting. What yes. is it? What is the digital wallet? Yeah, I was going to say I'm not securely really securely sure stored that is. as e cash in did every they, they, teen's did they digital wallet. I mean, we kind of I mean, have a Bitcoin. digital wallets. Yeah, we definitely do, but but yeah, but there I think was, that the, I think the idea they're talking about is more Bitcoin, which is not, which is interesting. Futurism of the '90s definitely thought we were going to be wearing a lot smarter clothes. Yes, at this point, like there was, you know, like, like clothes that lit up and got your yeah, email oh, yeah. for you. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, honestly, even even like 15 years ago, less than 15 years ago, but a bit close enough. I mean, probably like 2008, 2009. I remember moderating a panel about like high-tech clothing and fashion yeah. and 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 even then you know which which that seems much closer i mean it's it's a long time but it seems much closer than than it was like that was still something that even less than you know 15 so ha- years ago people still thought was died happen. did yeah. did we give up on smart clothing um i think we did well it's interesting because there has been a ton of actual technology like technology that's gone into shoes but not in the way that you would think like it's actually been like uh, defining like like the 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 shape and and the materials and other stuff that they can do but in terms of like the the smart aspect of clothing that i think has fallen away we'll probably see it again but and, and listeners correct me if i'm wrong on this but i haven't seen that trend I haven't even seen people try to bring that trend into anything other than um, the the amazing dress that um, Claire Danes wore at the um, 
the Met Gala in, in 2016 oh, that was yeah. like um, um, iridescent that that had the lighting underneath. Like that was a, that was an amazing amazing dress but like that was um for for, for the met and and she won the met gala in my opinion that year with, with her with her dress that lit up and it also matched the, the theme which was like um about, about machinima or whatever but um that I, I i can't really recall any anybody trying to do that recently i feel like we've moved the, the, past the you, point where we think it's a good idea yeah i think so like we've seen enough we've tried enough like failed attempts at smart quote unquote smart clothing that yeah. people have realized Hyper you know color. all we need is comfortable clothing because we have these s- smartphones that are smarter than any clothing we're ever going to have and as long as you know it doesn't smell bad i feel like people are just down with comfortable clothing yeah i mean we have had like a, a two-year pandemic that kind of helped with that so <laughs> You know, that that sort of, I think, maybe uh, challenges it. I think also what, what people maybe failed to uh, predict was, and, and what gets in the way of all this, was the the rise. And at this point, it's it's on the, the downtrend a little bit, but not entirely, but the massive, massive rise of fast fashion um, and, and things like, like Zara when you grab and H&M. A- Oh, that's not no, like no, no, no. But I, I mean, like very shirt. inexpensive clothing that, that the styles can just come out all the time, and that you it's designed essentially to be worn, you know, like oftentimes once or twice, and then and then you get rid of it, um, or or it falls apart, and and it's not good for environmental th- reasons, obviously, but it it has been a thing like H and M, Zara, things like that, um, like really like just went gangbusters, and I think that changed a lot of the calculus because then it's about getting trends and styles out quickly and and changing things and not so much like creating like this, this different layer to it. Well, we'd be remiss not to mention that you could go down to the mall and get a shirt that has a working uh, sound meter on it. Oh my God. I have yeah. that shirt. I also have one that has a Wi-Fi <laughs> meter on it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Remember when that was a thing, everybody was like, yeah, we're going to like build this into That's so dumb. You know what? We never, um, what we never like, sorry, I should have put that in the quip document. Rather than oh, nice. You all. Um, that, that was, the, that was the, the Claire, uh, Dane's, uh, um, Zach post and dress. I will but, get it um, in the quip doc for you. Thank you. Um, but, but like, this is the thing I think that we, why we have never solved the, the clothing thing is we don't have like the, we don't have the battery situation. We don't have the power situation figured out. Mm, yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. And we still don't like, like even for our phones and even for like wearables, like, like, for, for your face, for your watch and whatnot, like we don't have the power. So, you know, that's out. where in the unified theory of that infographic about what teens will be wearing in 2010, exactly. that's where it you falls could apart. put that battery into the server pack. This is true. You could put it in the server pack. So yeah, it could be part of the backpack, but yeah, that's yep. the, that's the one thing I think, I think that's the future assumption is they're like, cause yeah, obviously everybody knew wire, wireless was already there to some extent, but yeah, wireless is going to come. It's going to be this and that, but I think they probably assumed that in 10 years we'd have the, the <laughs> battery situation figured out. We still don't have it figured out. I love it. Well, should we grab the dude all over this podcast? Oh, shit. I I know we're running a little long. I forgot to prep for this. Oh, my God. I have to pick a nap. You guys guys go first. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You want to go, Christina, or should I go? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I will go. Okay. So this is a new one. And I um, actually really – but I I still want to give, like, the the developer um, uh, gratitude. And I also want to let people um, who might not be aware of it know about it. So there is an app called – it's in beta right now. I don't know how much it's going to cost, but I will pay whatever it costs. It is called MimeStream, M-I-M-E-S-T-R-E-A-M. 
and it is a native Gmail client for uh, Mac OS, and Ooh. it is fantastic. So it is, uh, it, so it's mymstream.com. Um, just enter in your address to, to, to join the beta. They'll, um, you'll, you'll get an email. Um, you, you can see what it looks like on its website. It's free right now. Eventually, it'll have some sort of, you know, payment plan. Um, it's great because it supports all the things that Gmail supports. So for instance, like the, um, the filters and, and the, the, the way that things are filed, um, it has like native, you know, system notification support, um, your signatures, you know, sync, if, if you set them up, you know, aliases sync over, uh, some stuff like, like, um, quick unsubscribe and, and, and server side filters within the app itself. Um, and vacation responses are coming soon, but it's, you know, I, so my new job, we are using Google apps for our, our mail, which I like as a system, but I, I don't really love going to the web browser, uh, for my mail and, and, um, mail.app is, is okay. But I would, um, I, I, a lot of times I really actually like, I prefer to have a separate mail client from my work, my personal stuff. And I decided to give, um, this a try and it is just, it's a really, really good app. It's, it's really good on memory resources. It's well-designed and um, it is taking like what's a fairly on Mac OS, you know, kind of web app thing and giving it like the, the full native app treatment in a really, really great way. So uh, I think it's only one person right now. So I'm going to give a, a big uh, shout out to, uh, to MimeStream because I think that it is just really great. Whoa, that dude, the developer spent seven years at Apple doing mail related stuff. Well, it makes complete Crazy. sense. Makes complete yeah. sense because because it is it is really really good. Awesome. That's cool. That sounds awesome. Um I I have one it's kind of a weird one but it fits our 90s thing. Um <laughs> I just want to make a shout out to the developers, the original developers of Doom. Yes. Um <laughs> because um my so both of my kids are are just are, are they obviously love video games because that's a thing, but right. um, they're also just deep into video game history and 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 just know so much and, and have such great conversations about design and decisions that a designer makes and all of that, and and so much learning for them has come from working inside the Doom community because Doom, having been one of the first first person shooters, uh, if not the first, I mean, I guess there was Wolfenstein, which was also the yeah. doom people, but I'm getting out of my depth fast, except that I've played all those games. They, uh, you know, at some but point, it was doom decide, quake, you know, yeah, and, and, and then, then unreal, which was like a mod of quake. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go. The more you talk about this, the more my kids are likely. Who would have thought, who would have thought Christina um, would have all the answers here. <laughs> <laughs> but so like in, in 97, John Carmack, one of the developers of doom, um, wrote the, you know, read me text to an open source version of, of doom. And, and my, my kids know so much about the decisions, um, you make and the constraints uh, of a given era and, and what, how that affects the decisions you make in game design because doom open sourced. And so many people jumped in there and started making mods and started kind of dissecting the code. When I played doom two for the first time the other night with them, which you can play inside of doom eternal. There's, I was playing doom eternal on our PS five and you go into a room. That's like a sort of memory room. And in it, if you have the right cheat code, you can actually just start playing doom two. Um, and I totally lost track of the fact that I was playing doom eternal 
original and played and started playing through Doom 2. But anyway, anytime I'd make sort of a, a, a remark about something design wise, like what happens when you die is the fact that you just like, it looks like you go into what I call a death elevator. You just kind of, your whole view just goes down a few pixels. Um, they had answers for all that stuff. And so kudos to, to Doom for just what they did and it generally, cause Oh my God, what a legacy, but also just in making it possible for, you know, decades down the line, some kids who love video games to understand how they're made. So that's mine. <laughs> I love it. No. And that's so great. And, and honestly, like the, the joke is like, but will it burn doom and it, yep. it will. And, and that's because he made that decision in 1997 and that's amazing. Totally. In fact, my son, my son, when he was finally back in, in actual high school, the ninth grade for him was the, was the pandemic year. So he didn't go at all. But then in the, in the 10th grade, he, or late ninth grade. And then in 10th grade, he had his own laptop, a little Chromebook. And, you know, those things are super locked down by the school and he figured out how to bypass it and run doom on it. And he texted me from class and was like, I got it running doom. And I was like, I'm only going to engage in this text because I know your grades are good. Like, awesome. Nice job. (laughs) Anyway. Yes, Christina, were you a Doom person? You seem like you have quite the gamer history. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, like, so I wasn't really playing PC first-person shooters in that era because I was a console person. um, So I was mostly playing, like, like GoldenEye 64. Um, But yeah, I mean, (laughs) I, but I I know those games. I appreciate those games and and what they did. And and I'm definitely, like, aware of, like, the lore of all that stuff. And, you know, but, like, I wasn't, like, a huge first-person. I've been primarily a, a console gamer, most yeah. of my life, it's only been more recently that like I've I've ventured to playing more on PC. But I've I'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of a console kid, I guess. But um, uh, so Halo, you know, was definitely yeah. like a big one. Goldeneye, uh, yeah. but yeah, definitely. I mean, Call of Duty, but but those all go back to you know like Doom. I mean, I guess Wolfenstein a little bit, as as you said, but but really yeah. like Doom and then Quake and then you know the, the Quake mods, which then beget you know the Unreal Engine and then that you know, creates this whole other thing and and just um everything comes after that so i i love that i love that your kids are still appreciating stuff that that carmack did you know totally almost you know like 25 years ago you know just i love it yeah yeah i definitely i definitely played wolfenstein and doom on my linux machines um I uh, I was definitely more of a Sierra Games kid, though. Mm, me too. Mm. Le- Leisure Suit Larry. Leisure Suit Larry, King's Quest. Uh, I don't remember what else they had, but... The only game my mom ever bought for me for our PC was Leisure Suit Larry. I was like, come on, man. Let's, I, you had the, I missed you out had on the, so much. You had the weirdest childhood. I was like, gonna it's say, so like, foreign I was, to I me. Gonna, I was going to say, your mom is so cool. Like, my mom, no. I think um, I had um, I got a game once. It was like the Doonesbury election game. This is uh-huh. the kid I was. I was like twelve, and it yeah. was like a it was like an election simulator for the nineteen ninety six presidential election. Oh yeah! But it was like with Doonesbury characters. It was actually oh very my good. God, that's it was amazing. Actually, actually, it was kind of an amazing game. To this day, people still love that election simulator. That like it became like a different kind of product that I think is still somewhat kept up to date. I'll, wow. I'll find a link and put it in in Quip. But it's uh, it's ridiculous. But the the, the Doonesbury election game was. That was unfortunately more the the, the PC awesome. games I was playing. That's awesome. We had to we had to get Leisure Suit Larry off of BBS, write it to five and a quarter inch floppy disks, and load it up on a friend's computer because I couldn't have it in my house. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. boundaries because were he because he because he was just he was just too much, right? Like he, he was he was, so he, was, too was bo- he was just too was body for for your parents. Basically, porn. I mean, there's literally a point where there's you're trying to you're trying to have sex with a prostitute in a in a hot, hot tub, tub and and the condom <laughs> oh, the condom okay. like I, I blows always, up and I th- blows away. I thought away. they were just sort of cheeky. Okay, so this is where I meant I've never played the leisure suit Larry yeah. games, no. but I just thought they were kind of cheeky. I didn't realize that it like went that far. Yeah, okay. it, it was pretty dirty. I still have them, and stuff. it's the one thing my kids understand is not going. We have a vintage PC we bought, uh, like pre Pentium one, and, and I'm like, this will play Legions of Larry, and it's not <laughs> getting played. In fact, I I keep meaning to sell it on eBay and just put all the proceeds into some sort of like good women's health uh, fund. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So funny. All right. You're, sorry, you ready for mine? Sorry, Brett. Ready for yes. you. Sorry, Brett. I'm going with Huda Spot. Um, oh. Pierre Bernard is, I would like to show my gratitude to Pierre Bernard. Um, it, Huda Spot, if you, if you appreciate Spotlight, and I don't know how anyone uses a Mac without using Spotlight, but I found way too many people who do. Like, people are like, oh my God, it can do that. Um, especially newer Mac users. But Hootaspot is like Spotlight on a massive amount of steroids. It can find anything on your computer and it has all kinds of features and you can literally replace Spotlight with this very souped up uh, version of Spotlight with way, way more criteria and filtering options. And it's my go-to when I'm looking for a file because I, I basically, I don't file things in deep directory structures. Remember early days of Mac when everyone was like 1999, February, February 3rd, right. uh, taxes. And like everything was just these deep directory structures. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't do that. I just use Hootaspot and Spotlight to just find the file I need when I need it without digging through directories. So that's my pick. Nice. It is incredible. I don't know what I'd do without it because I'm such a mess files wise. And I want to also just say that the same developer makes something that I actually use both of them. Tembo. Yeah. Which is just like kind of a like nice, slickly packaged, less complex looking. It's the simpler uh, file search, but it's it itself is just so powerful. So anyway, whichever way you go. Yeah. I'll throw Tembo on the list here too. All right. It has the most adorable icon. Did we do it? I think we did it. We did it. I feel Thanks like, for feel like there's more gold to mine from this internet oh magazine. God, we may have to do a follow-up we, episode. We'll have to do a well, follow-up. I was going to say, we're going to need to find like, okay, I, I will I will do this. If my mom hasn't gotten rid of them, when I go home next week, I will look and see if I can find like a computer or video game magazine in my, my parents' basement, which would also be from the similar era. And uh, awesome. then see if we can find an online version and we, we, we can do, a, we don't have to do it next week, but we can do it like at a future when we can revisit some of these things. Cause I feel like this is, this Sounds was fun. It's next so week, fun. Next week, we're going to let Alex pick all the topics. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, y'all. I, I, my wish for you is that you get some sleep. You, you especially this week, Christina. Yeah. For Thank real. you. <laughs> Thank you. Get some sleep guys. Get some all sleep. Right. The system is going down low.